right, well, we're beginning a new series today, and uh, it's called Glow. And what we see is that you and I are meant to glow into the world in which we live. We're to be the light in the darkness. We live in a world where darkness looms, lurking in seemingly every corner. Darkness beckons people into it. Innocently enough, at the beginning, we toy with it as if darkness won't harm us. But darkness is a great deceiver. And if we are not careful, it will suck us in. Darkness tells us we may live in any way we wish. Do whatever we please. Darkness says, it's your life, your body, your stuff. Indulge. Do what this world offers you. Darkness lies to us and convinces us that, you know, you only live once. And it hyper-focuses us on ourselves and our pursuit of whatever pleasure we desire. If we're not careful, darkness will consume us. But just when darkness seems to have won, light breaks through. Maybe just a pinprick at first. Maybe just a small, teensy little light in a seemingly overwhelming darkness, but it seems to grow and grow and grow in intensity. Matthew 4, 16 tells us, the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Light shines in the darkness. And if we look to this light, if we run to this light, if we trust this light, then the light will do what Colossians chapter 1, 13 through 14 says. And it says that the light will rescue us from the domain of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Yes, there are times when darkness seems to be prevailing. There are times when darkness seems to be overwhelming. And there are times when Darkness seems unconquerable. But Jesus is the light of the world. And he calls you and I to be salt and light in the midst of a dark world. He leaves us here to shine his light and to reduce the effects of darkness. And to do this, we must begin with prayer. The, uh, the term glow is an acrostic. We are utilizing it 
to remind ourselves that we are to be light in a dark world. The G begins, uh, helps us realize that we ought to get started with prayer. We're going to glow that we need to start with prayer. Prayer is not something merely that we do as a religious rite or a religious rote practice. We believe that nothing significant happens without prayer. Do you know people who are consumed with darkness? Where should you begin? Yeah, you should tell them. Yeah, you should love them. But you should begin with prayer. Because the only thing that can change a man's heart, the only thing that can change a woman's heart, the only thing that can change a child's heart from pursuing the dark world that is so alluring only thing that can change them is God it's not you, it's not me and so why wouldn't we pray, why wouldn't we begin with prayer out in the uh, as you exit there's a new display we put it up last week and we invite you to visit it it's called My Circle and it's something we began uh, around Easter time and the emphasis is for you and I to be thinking about people who are already in our circles of influence who don't know the Lord, who are, are blinded by darkness, who are, who are uh, consumed with life and worries. Hey, I'm not saying they're not a great person. They might be a wonderful person, but they don't know Jesus Christ. They don't have a saving faith in Him. And the Lord has placed them in your life, in my life, in our circles so that we can impact them, so that we can, in our living out the light of Christ, can glow into their lives and hopefully ultimately make a difference. This series that we're in is a three-week series, and so we're going to break down that across it, glow. And we're going to start with G today, and next week we'll talk about L and O, and the final week we'll talk about W. You know, we didn't have time to do four weeks, so we're just going to squish it into three, all right? Uh, and today we're talking about getting started with prayer, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at this, um, this sermon that Jesus spoke about, uh, about how he intended the people that were following him, the people that were a part of his kingdom, to make a difference in the world in which they lived. And that still applies to you and I, that we would glow, that we would shine the light of Christ in the world in which we live. God has placed us here not merely to exist in the midst of all this mess, but to impact it, to push back darkness, to make a difference in the fact that people are living every day and they don't know Christ and they're destined for an eternal, eternal separation from, from Christ. If they were to die and depart this world, they would enter into an eternal hell and that you and I, we care too much for them to not try to make a difference in their lives. And so as you exit today, I encourage you to stop by the display and grab a tag and write either their name or an initial. I even saw someone wrote silent. That's fine. 
You know who they are. You know who you're praying for. It's a visual reminder to you and I to remind ourselves to be praying, 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 because nothing significant happens apart from prayer. You and I ought to be a people devoted to Christ for sure, but we ought to be a people devoted to the power of prayer because prayer is the thing that changes lives and changes hearts. And sometimes it's persistent prayer, prayer Persistent prayer over time doesn't always happen right away, but we are still meant to be committed to it. I want to read this passage, and then I want to share three things with you I think that we need to be prayerful about in shining the light of Christ. Number one, uh, well, number, not number one, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. And if you're able, would you stand to honor the reading of God's almighty, powerful word? And we pray that it would impact our lives today. This is what Jesus said himself. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city situated on a hill cannot be hidden no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket but rather on a lampstand and gives light for all who are in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven this is the word of the lord and we say thanks be to god thank you you may be seated If you're new, we do that, uh, what we just did. We honor God's word because we believe this is the very breath of God, the words of God, the very life of God that he wants us to know and understand. And when we say thanks be to God because we are thankful, we are thankful that God speaks to us through his word. And we want to express that to him each week. I think in this passage, as Jesus is speaking this sermon that was on the Mount of Beatitudes as he's speaking this sermon, and this is one little chunk of the whole big thing, what he's doing, he's trying to help people to see what his kingdom is like, what it's like to be in a follower of his and to be in his kingdom. He's establishing that at this point. He's helping people to see what it means to follow him and to live their lives for him as a kingdom that is juxtaposed. It's, it's in complete contrast to the kingdom of this world. And so Jesus is systematically sharing with them ways in which they can be different. And he just spoke the Beatitudes. And he, he said, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. And he tells them that you are blessed when you are in a part of his kingdom because you no longer focus on this world and its ways, but now you focus on him. And each one has a corresponding blessing that comes to you and I. He says, we will be filled, we will be comforted, we will inherit the earth, we will uh, be shown mercy, we will see God, and we will be called sons and daughters of God. What you see in all of these verses is Jesus is helping us to see what it means to be blessed by him and changed by him and and then used by him in the world in which we live. And I think we see three things that come from this passage 
that are pertinent to you and I today. And I pray that they would just really seep into our own lives and give us passion to pray and to shine the light of Christ in our lives. Number one, we prayerfully show the world how God blesses. Ever think about that? That you and I have been blessed by God. We have salvation. We have forgiveness of sin. We live in a, in a wonderful country where it is still a freedom of ours, praise God, to worship whomever we want. We can worship our Savior, worship our Lord with freedom, with passion and understanding that no one's going to stop us from doing that today. You and I are blessed by God, aren't we? We're blessed because He has bestowed His life into our lives. The light has shined on you and me. And it's meant to do that not to stop with you or me. It's not meant to stop shining on you or I. We are meant to display that light for all to see. And we'll see that here in this passage. The first thing we see is that Jesus is speaking about salt. Why is he talking about salt? And how does that display this idea of showing the world how God blesses us? Well, he's speaking to about 20, people estimate about 20,000 people at this moment. And he's telling them what it's like to live in his kingdom, as I've already said. And he tells them to represent him to the rest of the world, and he uses this idea of salt. Now, you and I, we, we utilize salt in a somewhat different way than the people did at that time. Well, a, a reduced way, if I should say. We have little salt shakers on tables, and, you know, we'll put it on there. If you're like me, I just don't even taste it. I just know it's going to need more salt, but that's just me. So I'm going with it already. Some of us might taste it and then put it on there, and we use it mostly for seasoning. But something, and you're aware of this, something that's happened uh, certainly back in Jesus' day, but even in you know, frontier times here in the United States, is that salt was used as a preservative, right? It was used when people didn't have the type of refrigeration that we have today. And so they would cover meats and other things in salt to preserve those meats so that they would last longer and they could store them longer and those kind of things. And so salt was a preservative, number one, and it was also a seasoning. And so when Jesus is telling you and I and the people who are following him in that moment on this mountain, about 20,000 people, people assume, he was telling them that you are placed into the world to preserve the world, to keep it from rotting, to keep it from going bad and decaying. You, are, and you and I are called to be salt so that the world won't rot away and decay and depart from God's ways. You and I are to show the world that God has blessed us, preserved us, kept us from the rot of the world, and kept us from spiritual decay. You and I are placed here to be salty, preserving the world, and seasoned as well, seasoning people, seasoning the world so that it will 
reflect Christ. Season, salt seasons food and keeps it from being tasteless. Christians, followers of Jesus, are meant to make an impact, not, um, not necessarily by uh, pointing uh, them, you know, pointing at them and telling them how wrong they are, but pointing them to how awesome our God has been in our lives, that He's blessed us and used us in mighty ways. And he says, how can salt do what it's supposed to do if it's lost its taste, if it's no longer if it's, if it's no longer pointing to how awesome God is and how amazing our Savior is? What happens if that salt loses its taste? It's no longer something that is enticing for the world to look at and say, man, I don't know what they have. I don't know what's different about them, but I want it. I need it. And so if we're no longer salty. We've lost our taste. Jesus says we're no longer worth anything. We're just meant to be thrown out and trampled like salt is. So you and I, we need to, we need to exude what Christ has done in our lives. Do you understand this is, you know, sometimes Christians get this rap for being, you know, uh, not the salt of the earth, but like, you know, sour and, and you know, you know we, we, I heard at one time that, you know, you may have heard this, you know, you're meant, you're meant to not come, you're, not, you're meant to not just come in church and sit and soak. You may have heard that. I've heard someone say, you're not meant to just come to church. You're supposed to be the church, do stuff. And they'll say, to sit, soak, and sour. And I thought, that's, that's pretty good. Because according to a lot of the world, Christians can be sourpusses. You know, we can be sour, not salty, but sour. God wants us. Now, listen, I'm not saying we have to be like the world. That's the whole point of this. We're supposed to be completely different in the world. That's not what I'm saying. But, man, people ought to know that we have the joy of the Lord in our lives. Amen? People ought to know that Jesus has done something for us that is worthwhile, that is eternal, it is significant. And they don't need to look at us and think, man, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't want nothing to do with it. They ought to look at your life and my life and say, man, I don't know what they've got, but it's different. It's different than anything else I've seen, and I want it. doesn't mean they will. In fact, the Bible just told us, Jesus just told the, the people crowded there before that they would be persecuted. So, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be salty for the world to see that God has blessed us. Number two, we see that we prayerfully shine a light into the darkness. You see, we begin with prayer, and we ought to say, Lord, into what dark places should I go to shine your light? And when we get there, we shine the light into those places. You know what happens when the least amount of light is shown in a completely dark room? You ever been in like a cave, like Ruby Falls or something like that, and they turn out all the lights and you can't even see your hand in front of your face, but then, you know, someone just opens up the smallest little flame, maybe like a match or a, or a lighter, right? That light, though very small, begins to permeate the darkness. That's what we ought to be like. We ought to go into 
dark places to enlighten and expose and to fill up the place with the light of Christ. Sometimes in dark places, there's critters. You ever gone into a room and flipped on the light and then something scurries away? It's kind of, it's a little jolting, isn't it? Well, critters hang out in dark places, so we, we shouldn't be surprised that when we go and shine the light, then critters run, but it means, doesn't mean that we shouldn't go any less. We're to be reflectors of Christ's light into the world. I love the terminology of glow because uh, uh, glowing, a lot of times, is a, another source of light had to glow into that, right? Uh, you know, you will notice this one day if you see me in a, a dark room. I, these glasses glow in the dark. I know it's weird, I, but I like it, and so I get a lot of comments on them. So if I go into a dark room, if I've been in the sunlight for a while, these will glow even brighter than normal, right? That's just sometimes how glowing works. Well, you've got to be exposed to that light, and then that's when you glow. This is not our light. We don't glow our light. It's not Derek's light that's glowing. It's the light that I'm reflecting it's the light that was once shown on me, and now I go. It's like a mirror, right? When you shine light into a mirror, it, it goes out and reflects light in other places as well. We're meant to be reflectors of Christ's light into the world. We do this prayerfully. If you only shine the light into light, it's meaningless. It's a meaningless task. If you took a flashlight and went out into broad daylight, what's the point of it? Light was meant to go into darkness and to permeate it and to light it up. We must find dark places in which we can shine. We must not be afraid to shine the light of Christ into the world. And as Jesus said in this word, we must be little cities set on hills for all around us to see. This is different than what... Um, what we've kind of seen, um, I think, I know a lot, of, a lot of Christians who are terrified about where the world's at. And listen, I'm, 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 I don't live with my hand in the, head in the sand. You know, I understand there's a lot of things about the world in which we live that can be scary. Raising children in that uh, environment, you know, in this environment, it can be scary. But as Christians, we weren't meant to go and hide in a cave somewhere and just let the world pass us by. We're meant to go and be salt and light in those places. And it'll be hard. It's not going to be easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So you and I need to think about those. And, and how do we know where to go? We, we ought to pray. We ought to pray every day, Lord, what appointment do you have for me today? Where do you want me to go to shine the light of Christ today? Where should I go? To whom should I visit? How can I pray for a person? Lord, give me an opportunity today to share you with someone. Now be careful. Pray a prayer like that and the Lord will answer it. But we should pray for those things. It's our job, as Jesus said here, to be the light of the world. And he says... We don't hide a light under a basket, right? We shine it for all to see. 
The third thing we see here is we prayerfully share the goodness and glory of God. If we shine, we're salt and light, as Jesus told us to be, then there is a promise that comes with it. He says in verse 16, the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You want to know how people come to faith in Christ? You, me, living for Christ in front of them. It doesn't happen any other way. Paul tells us in Romans that how will they know if no one goes to preach to them, no one goes to share the truth with them? I've heard stories recently. I was at Southern Baptist Convention uh, last, uh, not last year, but the year before that, not this past year, but the one before that, and I was able to speak with an IMB missionary there, and I had heard stories and read some online about this, but it was cool to talk to an IMB missionary who was serving in Afghanistan in that area, and conf he confirmed one of these stories about uh, folks who uh, were staunch, uh, radical Muslims living in that area who were having visions of a man dressed in white with long hair and, and this kind of thing. And, and, uh, and they were, you, this vision was coming to them. And it was kind of like, a, uh, like Paul visited, uh, was visited by Jesus on the road to Damascus. It's these really amazing stories. And I had, literally had someone tell me this story that happened to them. So it's not just like I was able to speak with this guy who, who saw this happen. And you would think even in that, like you see Jesus in a vision, like, okay, I'm saved. I'm getting saved right now. But no, in every single one of these stories, God sent these people to someone and made an appointment with an IMB missionary or a Christian somewhere else that, that it could not be explained in, other, in any other way that the Lord orchestrated the system, this situation to, to happen. But they would find themselves perplexed because they kept having these dreams, these visions, and they would find Christians that would just so happen to find Christians. It was just the Lord appointing it. And they would explain this dream to them, and they say, and they would teach them the gospel from it, and they would get saved. The vision didn't save them. Someone telling them about Jesus saved them. You and I shining the light into the world. This verse says, is how they will see our good works is what it says. Our good works are only good because God does them. They will see the good works the Lord is doing in our lives, and then they will be able to give glory to God. You know how you give glory to God? Only if you know Jesus as your Savior can you fully give glory to the Lord. So that's what it's saying in this passage is that these people will be able to be saved and give glory to the Lord because you shine your light into their lives. And you and I shine the light of Christ to these people, to the folks in our circle, to the folks in our lives. That is the way that the Lord has prescribed for them to come to faith in Christ. God has saved you and I, blessed us, you and I, so that we can shine the light of Christ and bless others that they may be saved and may be able to glorify the Lord themselves. The promise is that if we will do it, the Lord will use it. If we will shine his light, the Lord will make it 
shine into people's lives and use it to bring them to salvation. Maybe you're here today and someone's been shining the light of Christ into your life. And you know right now, I need to trust Jesus as Savior. Friends, it's worth it. Jesus will save you and bless you. He's an awesome God. He loves you. He died on the cross for you to save you from your sins and save you to, from eternity apart from him in a place called hell. And I, I implore you to trust Christ today. If you don't know how to do that, I would love to share that with you. And, and we're starting something new today. If, if that's daunting, a daunting task for you to come up here and talk to me and everybody's looking at you, then there's two tables today. They have the word next steps on them. There's one here right outside this door. There's one right outside that door. And someone is there prepared to help you. Now, you may be ready to take any kind of next step. But might, you might want to trust Jesus as your Savior today. You, you can come forward and talk to me. I'd love to share with you. I'd love to be involved in that. But you can go to the next step table and someone would love to share with you. If you're in interested about membership and joining and being a part of that and uh, learning more about our church, that's a place to go for a next step. If you want to get connected to a connect group, if you want to get connected to a place, a family, a smaller uh, group, like a Sunday school class, and we call those connect groups here, you can go to the next steps table. Those folks are prepared and ready to share with you about how to take a next step here. You can also come to me here in just a moment. But I invite all of us. There's a couple things we can do. Number one, I encourage you. We've got some of these signs. They're right as you exit. They've got stands. I encourage you to place these around. These are a great, simple tool for you to begin shining the light of Christ, to let folks know that they can come and find Christ here, come and find a home here, a family here. I encourage you to grab one of those on your way out if you don't already have one. If you already have one in your yard, you know, what's the harm in putting two, you know? It's a joke. So, uh, I mean, you could really do that if you want to, but I encourage you to do that. We want to be salt and light. Another way you can do that is to go to that My Circle station, uh, that display, and begin praying for the folks in your life, in your circle, that God wants to bless. He's placed in your life to shine the light of Christ to them. I encourage you to do all those things. Uh, we're going to, Jason's going to come, the worship team's going to go ahead and come and lead us in worship. And as they do, I encourage you to make uh, a response to the Lord, whatever he's calling you to do. Let's pray as they come. Lord, we pray that you would work in our hearts and lives. I pray, Lord, that someone may be ready to follow you today, Lord, in salvation. I pray you help them to be able to do that. But help us all to shine the light of Christ wherever we go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? As you stand, we're going to sing.